Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you live from Beijing. I'm He Yang. Good to have you along. Burning garbage is a common way of dealing with the tons of trash we produce every day. How can we reduce the environmental cost of burning trash? We discuss waste woes across the world, and we are on a mission of starting your week with a motivational kick. Our motivational Monday offerings will get you ready to tackle the week. For today's program, I'm joined by Huang Shen and Li Yi in the studio. First on today's show. With improved living standards, people tend to want better meals, bigger living spaces, and more stuff. As a result, we are creating more garbage by the day. Waste incineration, in other words, burning trash, is one common way to deal with the growing body of waste, not without a noticeable environmental cost. It has also recently, as we're going to take a deep dive into, turned into a profitable business with high profit margins. So. Let's take a look at the numbers first about burning waste and how this is something that investors would like to get into. Sure. So, an article published by a WeChat public account called Star Wealth, which is a finance media account, sort of collected data from several companies in the waste、uh, incineration industry in China, and the result turns out to be that they are doing quite. Good in terms of waste incineration, with many of them enjoying a gross profit rate ranging from over twenty percent to even more than sixty percent. For example, for the Sanfeng Environment Group in Chongqing, its gross profit rate was over thirty percent in the year of twenty sixteen, and in twenty in twenty twenty one. The rate was over 31 percent, and、uh, its net profit increased 467 million yuan in 2017 to 1.3 billion yuan in 2021. And there's another company that is called Zhejiang Weiming Environment Protection Company, with its gross profit rate surpassed 60 percent from 2017 to 2019, and its Net profit rose from five hundred zero million yuan in twenty seventeen to one point five billion yuan in the year of twenty twenty one. And also, Grand Blue Environment Company is one of the top ten waste incineration power generation enterprises in China. Its gross profit rate was over thirty. One percent in 2017, and its net profit increased from 697 million yuan in 2017 to nearly 1.2 billion yuan in 2021. So basically, these companies are really earning big, which somehow tells that how much amount of trash we are really creating on a daily basis. And I guess that's quite、um, makes sense because with urbanization and also we are enjoying more convenience in daily life. For Example like e-commerce, so、um, we are really faced with an increasing number of waste in daily and also in other industrial sectors.、Uh, and yeah, sure. So that's a lot of numbers, and sometimes、mm. we get lost in the weeds of numbers. So are we saying that we're seeing that with the increasing amount of waste, and then it's become a business opportunity, opportunity that private businesses can get involved with? I mean, this is an interesting scene. So Huangshan, tell us a bit more about how much waste. Are we creating without really noticing what we're doing here? 
Yeah, figures from 2021 showed that the amount of household waste reached 248.7 million tons nationwide. And how to deal with such garbage and waste properly? Uh, the composition of household waste is very complex. If it cannot be effectively treated, it will seriously pollute the air, water, and soil, and damage the ecological environment. And it will also have a negative impact on people's quality of life. In general, there are three common ways to、uh, dispose garbage.、Uh, so, such three main methods of disposing of household waste are landfill sites. Incineration and composting.、Um, nowadays,、uh, in fact, landfill cannot fundamentally solve the problem of household waste, but also occupy a very large number of land resources, pollute the surrounding environment, and bring continuous ecological hazards. The other method, composting, is not for all kinds of wastes. It sounds good to use microorganism to make the organic matters in the waste undergo biochemical reactions and. Finally, degrade, but only a very small amount of waste can be composted.、Uh, the other way is incineration. Maybe that's the reason why today we are talking about this method, and it has attract it has attracted the attention from private companies, tech companies, and many people are trying to make profit from this regard. Yes, incineration means that you are burning stuff, and what we're gonna go into is also the technology side of things, because it is far from the days when you would imagine, let's say, off the street or maybe in a rural setting, than off the field. Do you see that stuff or garbage gets burned in open air, and we've all. Um, either heard the news, or you might even have the opportunity to take in the smell, which is really not good, and it's detrimental to the environment. Without any kind of、um, uh, technology of sort of processing the fumes and what comes out of the the burning piles of stuff, so that is something that needs、um, more. Innovation to go into to to sort of make this process greener, and this is part of the incineration process that we're talking about here. And this is part of what can、um, companies invest in R and D and come up with solutions within the solution to make this whole process greener. And I also just like to go back to. Maybe the old days a little bit, just to give you an idea how important it is, or what the garbage sort of signifies of the developmental stage of society. If you're a Chinese person, or if you have Chinese parents and live in a different country, we might share that common childhood memory. That is, I wonder if your mom ever kept this. Nice old tin box in the nightstand where she puts all the threads and needles and all the sewing kits. Well, back in the day when I was a kid, I remember my family would keep the packaging if we could.、Um, for example, that box that I've been talking about—it was a mooncake box that. It was a nice thing to receive a box of mooncakes in the early 1990s, and therefore, back in the day when the living standards wasn't as nice, people keep. 
the trash. We try to reuse. We try to repurpose. And we don't throw out that much stuff. But as the living standards improve, and then um, willy-nilly, do people just throw out packaging and just think about all the nice boxes you've thrown out, including all the delivery of e-commerce or the food that you ordered or whatnot? All that stuff goes into the waste, and once we throw it out into the garbage sorting cans or bins that I hope you follow the orders, um, and then it's out of mind, out of sight for most of us, when in fact that has a great impact on the, on the environment, and it has a great impact also um, possibly for businesses too, to sort of take up this opportunity to do something with this solid waste, the solid stuff that always just goes out every day, and what can you do about it? So we've seen that in recent years that there are some um, development in the garbage incineration sector of, would you call this garbage collection slash sorting, or would you call this part of the... um, the, the urban waste or the dealing of such things. Well, um, give us some more information about um, before 2018, Chinese households, our waste used to go to the landfill, but now, uh, well, however, since 2020, incineration has become the common solution. And um, how has the country or the cities dealt with it, with this kind of arrangement? Sure. So as uh, you two mentioned, waste incineration is a major solution in China to deal with uh, either household or construction waste. And uh, I guess it's due to like a comprehensive consideration because we have to balance um, to make a balance between achieving economy growth and, and also to protect environment. So that's why uh, we are really adopting incineration, a major solution. Um, but somehow, Currently, it's uh, quite popular in first-tier or second-tier cities, and uh, most of them have achieved zero landfill. Some regions have even begun to dig out and incinerate the waste that was previously landfilled. However, in some like counties or small cities or even towns or villages, due to these uh, the insufficient qu- quantity of waste and high treatment costs, the penetration rate of household waste incineration still needs to be improved and uh, somehow they still use landfills or other traditional ways of dealing waste um, in those regions. So that's why the country is trying to improve the efficiency of waste incineration and with the most important goal being to supplement the shortage of waste incineration in county level areas. And um, on the country level, there are like different Um, laws or policies being rolled out to support uh, a more balanced and also a greener and more sustainable uh, solution to waste incineration. For example, recently the National Development and Reform Commission, which is NDRC, and also the Ministry of Housing and Urban Rural Development issued a notice to improve the household waste incineration treatment facilities in county-level areas. And actually, that's not the first document issued by the country to guide 
the, the development of the waste incineration industry. And also, the country has issued a series of preferential policies to support the sector to a more greener and more sustainable development. Uh, for example, for example, they are offering companies being involved in the sector, like tax reduction measures to encourage more companies with better skills and technologies to actively participate in garbage incineration projects. And also, uh, for a more important reason, to really achieve a bigger and more uh, sustainable uh, situation in the waste uh, solution sector. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in fact, you know, as an, uh, as a city resident, I, ha- I actually, you know, waste management isn't really an issue uh, that is really closely related to us uh, on a daily life basis because usually we just throw those households waste in the trash, like downstairs, and there will be uh, property management sector to deal with those trash. However, you know, recently I just uh, learned how complicated for the whole uh, waste uh, management process because I just got involved in the, in the decoration of a second-hand apartment. And during that process, actually, a lot of uh, construction waste are being like produced. And there are like waste of old furniture, uh, tiles, walls, and cement. You know, I learned that, you know, for example, in Beijing, actually, there's a very strict policy in terms yep. of how you deal with those construction waste. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, arrange a specialized car or a truck to really to uh, deliver those uh, trash. And you have to pay for the fee of doing that uh, amount of trash. And, uh, you know, I get, I remember I spent almost like 3000 or 4000 to deal with all this construction site. So I guess that's a very tiny example to show you know how complicated the whole waste management process could be uh, um, compared to the city level or even a country level so that's why you know a lot of companies and uh, sectors are really being involved in the whole industry chain right and we talk when we talk about businesses then inevitably we need to talk about profit because otherwise why would any company want to get involved in that sense so um, drill it down for us, Huang Shan. Why is waste incineration quite so pr- uh, profitable? Could you help us do a bit of the calculation here? Yeah, for practitioners in this sector, they can make money in multiple ways, such as they can gain revenue from garbage disposal or revenue from power generated by waste incineration, revenue from heating fees generated by waste incineration, and revenue from utilization of ash after waste incineration. I think the first one, garbage disposable fee, is quite easy to understand. It may vary from place to place according to local economic level and consumption level. Mm-hmm. Uh, the charge for waste disposal in the waste incineration plant needs to be an appropriate price that can be accepted by the local people. And when it comes to the heating fees, um, so just like the disposable fee, the standard of heating fees generally complies with local standards and does not rise or drop due to waste incineration. However, this may disrupt the regional heating pattern in the region. And I don't think it's that practical Mm. uh, in terms of the implementation. The other utilization of ash after waste incineration is another setting point because, for example, 
the solidified ash after waste incineration can be used for、uh, part of construction materials if it can strictly meet the environmental protection, safety, and、uh, safety and quality standards.、Mm. I think another. Idea that such companies are trying to convince people is that the power generation by waste incineration. However, I had a question that、uh, intention because、mm-hmm. you say after I burn the garbage and the waste, I can use the thing it created along the way to generate power electricity. That sounds an idea that is too good to be true. <laughs> I think for many people, we cannot tell the difference、uh, between. You know the incineration, waste incineration, or the professional waste incineration, and just burning the waste.、Mm. So some people are arguing: Is burning trash a very good way to dispose of it? In general, if you haven't burned the trash、uh, properly, it will definitely release some pollutants. You know, such as particulate matter, like. PM two point five or PM ten carbon、uh, monoxide, acid gases, nitrogen oxides, and cancer causing dioxins. So, the biggest source of these emissions is the incineration of materials、mm. made from fossil fuel based materials like plastics and rubber,、um, so heavy metals as well,、yeah. or some toxic chemicals. And when we talk about whether this method can be widely Used in a city, it depends on whether your city or your town has the very strict environmental controls as、yeah. well as the policies. Because for cities that lack strong environmental controls or monitoring system or enforcement cap- capabilities, I think if there's another third party that needs to make a profit on their investment from operational revenues. This is a very tricky business because it will be very hard for you to、uh, build up such facilities as you claimed,、mm. and if you fail to meet the environmental advances, then I think it will bring more harm to the environment than other methods. But if you are trying to market your products or your technologies.、Um, By sugarcoat the facts, I think it could be very misleading.、Um, but if you have all the facilities and the manpower to enforce and implement all the technologies, all the environmental advances as you claimed, this could be an alternative or a very useful way to deal with the garbage. Yes, that is a very valid concern for industry observers and for. A citizen with a good conscience, just like、uh, Huang Shan mentioned earlier, because when we hope this doesn't turn into the kind of fighting fire with fire kind of issue, or you know, having these sort of side effects in trying to address one ailment, you know,、uh, to begin with. So this is a really important discussion, actually, because for. I think this applies to everybody because we're all living beings. We all buy stuff, we consume, and we throw out stuff. And then just think about it: whatever that you don't want, you don't need, and as long as it comes in solid form, then it's going somewhere. It's either going into the landfill or it's gonna be burnt. 
and um, and then so ha- so how to deal with it in uh, a green and environmental friendly way is something that all nations have been uh, looking into. So what Huang Shen mentioned earlier could be well, you know, with high tech. Ideally, then there would be energy that comes from this process of waste incineration.、Um, I but, think, in terms、mm-hmm. of you know waste management, there still remains a lot of debates over what is the best way to deal with you know different kinds of waste on on, on a global basis. But a very you know pressing fact that is that we are like creating too much waste on a daily basis. You know, I got data from UNEP, which is UN Environment Program, every year. About 11 billion tons of solid waste are collected worldwide, and、uh, you know the increasing volume of waste associated with the modern economy is really posing a serious risk risk to ecosystems and also human health because、mm. there are like air pollution, water and soil、um, contamination, and even for you know improper. Uh, management of waste could lead to, you know, pollution of drinking water, and also can cause infection and transmit disease. Right. So that's why we are really discussing you know, everything related to waste management. But all in all, I guess the first、uh, solution or the solution in the first place would be encourage people to reduce waste, either on a daily basis or for those companies or industries try to reduce. Waste、um, in the manufacturing process, or as human,、uh, or as individual, we can try to avoid using like single-use items, or use more recycled paper or glass or other recovered materials.、Mm-hmm. So these are all the things, I guess,、um, as human beings, we could do to help the planet to to really sustain、uh, in、yeah. the longer term. I also like to get into the numbers a little bit,、mm-hmm. just to、um, give you an idea of. Well, this is an Complicated matter. IMF economists have looked at the data, and it turns out that higher-income countries like the United States, Denmark, and New Zealand generate at least twice as much waste per capita than developing countries. And China is getting up there as our economy develops as well. But one interesting thing that maybe what happened in Sweden can offer as a little bit of something that we we can sort of see if it's、uh, there's a relevance here. Sweden is actually showing the world. How really to take out the trash, and it's quite incredible when you look at this. Less than one percent of Sweden's household waste goes into the landfill dump. The rest is recycled in different ways. And the 32 waste management plants in Sweden produce heat for 810,000 Swedish households and electricity for about. Uh, 250,000 private houses. So what they've done differently is kind of similar to what we say is happening here in China, but with the relevant technology. Let me just stress that point again. Well, in Sweden, they've adopted a recycling policy which funnels all the energy generated by burning waste into the national heating network, and this provides an efficient way to heat homes through the. Freezing Swedish winter, and what I see here is a lot of tech needs to go in here. But Huang Shen, final couple of comments from you about going forward and how to deal with this waste issue. Yeah, I think it 
the development of waste incineration could be helpful. However, we cannot burn away our problems. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the reality because sometimes when we would like to discuss how to improve the functions of waste incineration and how we can use it for better causes or how we can use such really fancy terms like waste to energy or many forms of chemical recycling. So you are thinking about you have to generate a large amount of wastes as well as garbage to support the functioning of this new method. Right. And I just also like to make a point here that this is not a single country crisis alone. All around the world, developed nations and developing countries have the propensity to lock ourselves into this mindset as well as unsustainable energy intensive lifestyles. So once our living uh, conditions improve, automatically we think we need to buy more. I need to enjoy a better, a better life in a tangible way. And that usually means you're creating more garbage and finding sustainable ways of development, producing less waste is a better way to go forward. And how can we make this, well, I wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying minimalistic lifestyle, but this sustainable lifestyle that coincides with a better lifestyle, with a better pursuit of life, of quality. I think that's something that's worth your thoughts and a little bit of soul searching, so to speak. We'll be back after this break. Stay tuned. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Huang Shen and Li Yi in the studio. Coming up, something new trending in the job market. Young workers are seeking side gigs that don't require brains on top of their day jobs. Why are they working two jobs? What makes mindless sometimes preferable to mindful? And our special segment, Motivational Monday, coming your way. That's when we give you that adrenaline shot for the start of the week. If you've never sent us a voice memo, there's no better time than now. Tell us what you think. What's better? Send us your audio questions to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Once every week, we answer your questions on the show in our heart-to-heart segment. And it'd be great to include your name, the province or region you live in, so we know a little bit more about you as we answer your questions. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. And a big thank you to all of you who've left a message, uh, given us a rating, because it really matters. Uh, this is, well, somehow due to the magic of algorithms that we have no say to, um, your response would up our position in the ranking and it really helps other folks to find us so thank you for doing that and if you're still contemplating don't wait hit subscribe give us a rating tell us what you think all right now on roundtable as we continue today's discussion i know this is none of my business but could you be so kind in answering this question What's your dream job? Whether you aspire to become a photographer, a journalist, a scientist, or any other coveted job, these ideal jobs often have a dimension of demanding mental input to them. Recently, a news article on contemporary young people's ideal jobs 
points out that many young white-collar workers in this country are actively seeking side hustles to decompress. So not to make more money? I'm a little confused here. And these side gigs allowed them to switch off and find peace of mind. So guys, dissect this work trend for me. What essentially is happening here? Young people keep their daytime office jobs and moonlight in physical labor? What do you say? Yeah, so it comes down to one question. Mental labor versus physical labor, which one is more draining? If we are turning to the answers offered by scientists, they think that mental exhaustion can tire you out just as much as physical work does. This is according to a 2022 study published in the journal Current Biology、mm-hmm. by a France-based university that has found that intense cognitive work over several hours can lead to potentially toxic byproducts. Um, so, which can you know affect attention, impose control, pros- prospective memory, and cognitive flexibility? So, for many people, after longer work hours,、um, if, especially when you are working in a pretty toxic environment, anyone exposed to chronically stressful conditions can experience burnout. And just recently, to let off some steam, many young office workers they are looking for mindless and manual labor side hustles.、Uh, for example, after a day's work, even though such white collar workers can punch out and leave the office, their brains are still thinking about various problems、mm. that arise during the work, and trying to let that out. Many of them are turning to a side gig that. You don't really need to turn your brain on, so you can do whatever with、um, your brain is to be turned off. So some people think this is a great way to、uh, de-stress, and some other may think, "Well, this could be a quick fix, but it won't be sustainable." Hmm. So is it kind of like just a bandaid placed over? A bleeding hemorrhage, <laughs> or what do you think is going on, especially with this claim of searching for sanity in light physical work aside from your day job? It just sounds like a lot, Li Yi. You know, I kind of see a shift of mentality in terms of how you know what people want from their jobs.、Uh, I guess that young people are really pursuing for different things nowadays. For example, you know, if we are talking about looking for a job or a decent job, usually we are talking about, oh, I want more money, I want higher salary,、mm. or I want to、uh, like self actualization or self satisfaction, or I want to enjoy the you know, social、uh, prestige. So that's why in the past. Um, jobs or professions like lawyers, doctors, or, or or like managers of certain companies, are those you know jobs that people would dream of、uh, to pursue such things. But nowadays, I guess young people are really pursuing a work-life balance or simply health,、uh, both in physical or mental level. So that's why people are really pursuing this you know、uh, light physical jobs in different.、Um, Organizations or different places,、uh, for example,、uh, they are enjoying more appreciation in those uh, uh, environment uh, 
because usually in traditional workplace,、uh, if we want appreciation, usually that's from our boss or a team leader. But somehow some people are really complaining. It's really hard to get appreciation from their superiors, and、uh, especially、uh, they never understand what they what their boss really wants, or simply、uh, they are really doing so hard, but they don't really get any appreciation from their、uh, supervisors. However,、um, as Young people, they are trying to be a salesperson at either a furniture shop or even a a waitress or a waiter in the restaurant. They can receive like a thank you on a daily basis from from customers, and they somehow just、uh, provided a sense of appreciation and and satisfaction for those young people, and which make their daily job or daily work. Uh, less、um, stressful and more、uh, satisfactory. So these are just some reasons why、uh, that young people are really turning to those physical jobs or physical works instead of still staying in the office of certain like CBD in big cities. I somehow find there are many. Disconnects with this kind of arrangement. Anybody who's worked in the service industry would know that out of the ten customers that you come across, you'd be lucky if one or two of them are angel. Customers that are nice to you. Most of the time, when people are paying for service, it's not great, but. They are not there to to make you happy, or your consideration is not what they have in as top priority in their minds. Usually, it, and sometimes if you're not so lucky, you'd encounter terrible customers who let off steam that they've accumulated in their toxic work environment at you. So when I look at this, maybe I'm just too old for this. Um, I'm thinking. Um, are you going to a place seeking、um, to decompress to find peace of mind? But there's a big chance that you're just gonna get hurt again if that's another job. Because I've seen that as much as you love what you do, once a hobby turns into a job, turns into something that people pay you for, it spoils everything. So, well, Hongshan, how、um, feasible do you think that this kind of two-job、um, arrangement can work for people? To be honest, I'm a little bit concerned. I'm worried that your day job may consume you mentally, then your side gig may、um, consume you physically. Because when I'm looking at the stories shared by the interviewees,、uh, when they were talking to reporters from News Weekly and why they decided to find a mindless task as the side hustle, I was surprised about how toxic their work environment was. Because some people just say that they would like to escape such a toxic work environment and.、Uh, This person is a 30-year-old web designer, and one day when she was sitting in the office, she suddenly got a feeling of nausea and wanted to escape from the company. So after getting off work, she rushed downstairs to a fast food restaurant to apply for a part-time job. And you know that the hourly salary of part-time waiters is not that decent—only around 14 yuan per hour. Many young people they don't want to take this job, but this person is more than happy to accept the offer.、Uh, So every day before going to work, 
she goes to the restaurant to do a part-time job for an hour, sweeping and mopping the floor and cleaning up the mess. So it sounds quite、uh, redundant. I mean, the job description. However, to her, the psychic not only relieves the constant sitting disease and the negative emotions associated by her day job, but also improves her sense of satisfaction after receiving praise from the store manager and other waitresses.、Mm-hmm. So, if you are looking at this story, you may have the takeaway that the reason why she's turning to such a psychic is because she wants a sense of satisfaction. A sense of、uh, fulfillment, or sometimes it could be as simple as "I would like to live my life to the fullest." You feel like you are wasting your time in your work, and you are becoming more and more cynical and critical at work. You don't really receive the same amount of、uh, appreciation from your boss, even after you have achieved such a great task. So you don't have these comments, and you don't have this positivity. Then you would like to find such emotional comfort or support elsewhere. So in the short term. This could be a remedy. However, in the long run, I don't think you can handle that because we are just human beings. We are not superheroes.、Um, you cannot be constantly productive. So when you are feeling that burnout, no matter in work or in any other scenarios,、mm-hmm. you should figure out what is the root cause. So this could be your painkiller, and you may feel much better after one day, two days, or even a month. Of taking part times, but it won't help to you know to heal your soul. So if you are searching for a more sustainable solution, maybe you should figure out what is the root cause of your burnout. Hmm. I think you know. I'm just thinking another reason that may just drive more young people to take up really、uh, physical works. Might be there is a clear line between work and your life for those physically, you know,、uh, involved works because, because usually for those works,、uh, considering if you are a waiter or waitress, if you are in the restaurant, then you are working. But if you just、uh, go back home and then your day is over, you don't really need to wait to answer the phone calls from your boss or like to even answer those emails、uh, from your coworkers. That's a very big difference in terms of you know. Uh, those uh, works in、uh, involve mental input because basically you are available like twenty four seven, so that's why maybe、uh, people really want to enjoy a different、uh, pace of work、mm-hmm. when they are doing those physical labor and also.、Um, I guess labor work brings a sense of security and also certainty because when you are in the office as a like a office lady and you have、yeah. to think about everything about interpersonal relation and how to achieve my KPI this month and you have to think about competition and also you have to think about how to climb the the career ladder or you will just、uh, be labeled as、um, incompetent. So these are all the stress and anxiety that. Uh, regular office workers would face every day,、mm-hmm. but when they are in like a labor-intensive、uh, working environment, all they are thinking is that how to、um, com-、uh, complete my task at my hands right now. So these are all the things in their mind. So perhaps they can get a short takeaway from.、Right. Uh, Get away from their busy work. Yeah,、uh, I suspect though that maybe there's what's really going on is that with the side gig, which is also labeled as light physical labor, and I think there is a certain matter of com-、uh, of importance here to sort of 
highlight that, which is, well, if it's really intensive manual labor, this person does not have the physical strength to do as a second job. So that's out of the question. And therefore, it's light physical labor. And also, you're doing this as a side hustle. So this is only part time. You're working maybe a couple of hours max one day or a few hours a week. And therefore, you're not thinking about, I need to progress in that job. And it's for that matter then you don't really need to think that much about the emotional and mental input. Because if I am someone that I want to be the best uh, waitress in this restaurant, I want to go on to be promoted into manager level, then I'm going to think about this far more than the person who's okay, I'm just here for the hour and I'm I'm waitressing and then that's it. So I I suspect that just with any job, um, there is no such thing as perfect and stress-free. Every occupation, role, and career path will require dealing with some amount of the on-job stress and some level of the mental input. Um, so, well... For the day job, I think the problem is how can we talk, how how can this work environment or how we um, how we attack is that the right word our job mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how can that be a more conducive way or manner can can we talk about that and then there's also you know the side job which is light physical labor that. Um, I, I still hold that suspicion that if it's a job, then it might sort of lose its allure a little bit because I can totally relate. Combining a little bit of physical labor to your um, office job, um, that that's really good for the brain. And um, I might have shared on the show that sometimes I find washing the toilet bowl at home, scrubbing it into um, pristine state, then that is very therapeutic. Or, oh, I love cleaning dishes to an amount, to an amount, um, because um, I can switch off my brain and I'm just washing, washing the dishes and I'm not thinking about the destination. I'm only only doing it in the process and then after half an hour you see a whole pile of clean dishes and you feel good about that but imagine working in a restaurant for a whole hour and you probably have a KPI to meet as well and then it's a completely different feeling so I yeah I sorry to rain on your parade folks if this is what you're doing and appreciate and I think it's admirable that you're doing so much but um, I think there is that deeper issue of how to take care of our mind as well as working different jobs so well how can we take a mental health break to combat this reality that so many of us are living through 
So I think you have to realize that it's very important to address this issue, because when you are feeling really sick physically,、uh, you may go to the doctor, you may take a day off so that you can focus on feeling better. However, if you're suffering from a mental a、uh, breakdown, it's very hard to bounce back in well a day or two days time. So you need to put yourself. First, and try to love yourself first, and trying to figure out what are the stressors and how you can take action to deal with the stress you are experiencing. So, for many people,、um, you know, each person has his or her own coping mechanism. For some people, by turning to such light labor works, they may feel、uh, recharged. It's good,、mm. and some people may. May think just by doing some simple things, they are taking a very small step in discovering a path that will lead them to the greatest sense of happiness. Then why not? It can also give you some pocket money. <laughs> If you are not working for、right. money, I think you might feel at ease because you are not working for a goal, and then you are just enjoying the process. If this is the way. That can help you、uh, to de-stress. So why not? But for many people, I think they have other solutions, such as some people may、uh, go on a trip, trying to recharge themselves, and some may use other、um, ways to、uh, deal with their stress. But I think the bottom line is that you have to figure out the root cause. It's like why you are undergoing this.、Mm-hmm. Is it a possibility that you can? Elevate or ease your tension, and trying to improve the situation. You have to speak for yourself. You have to stand up and trying to be vocal to protect your own rights. So, well, if you're facing gaslighting at work or just the system is rigged, you have to figure out a way to deal with the pressure. I just want to echo with Huang Shan here. Like, I know a lot of people, especially young people, they are really struggling with their daily works, and、uh, they can have their own problems. But I think the most important、uh, solution would be to face that difficulty and to really face that challenge. And actually, that's what I really want to recommend for t- today's、uh, today's motivational、uh-huh. Monday sector.、Mm-hmm. That is to do things that scare you, because、um, if you Uh, find your either your working environment or your coworkers are, are not really so satisfying. So try to fix the problem either to have more conversations or try to see if you could just adapt to the environment. These are all the positive solution to help you in the long term. All right, and let's move on straight to the special segment on motivational Monday. Oh, on Monday that is to motivate you. Motivational Monday. Motivational Monday. Li Yi has something special for us. <laughs> Would you continue to spill the beans、sure. on how to how to、uh, power on on this Monday? Sure. So still, I want to talk about the value of doing things that scare you, basically to cope with your fear. Um, the quote that I want to share is from *The Open Door*, written by Helen Keller.、Oh. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. The fearful are caught as often as the bold. Faith alone defends. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. 
to keep our faces toward change and behave like free spirits in the presence of fate is strength and defeatable. So that's a quote. I think too many quotes and proverbs encourage us to challenge ourselves by doing things that scare us. They are well-meaning but unreal and helpful without explaining the why. First, I guess I think it's essential to understand fear is nothing bad, but fear can also be your friend or an indicator. I would recommend approach that is to ask a, a simple question: What is the worst thing that could happen?、Mm-hmm. So basically, just to think through the, the outcome that makes you most afraid, so that you can then consider how would you deal with it if bad things really happen. And then you would just find out that the most effective and scientific approach to reducing fear is to expose yourself to the thing that scares you, starting small and building tolerance as you work your way up. Awesome, Huang Shen. What do you have for us?、Uh, today's motivation Monday comes from the hit movie The Menu. If you haven't <laughs> yet watched it, close your ears for the next several minutes because there will be some spoilers. Okay. Yeah. Come、uh, back a bit later. Yes.、Yeah, so <laughs> the movie revolves around a moody, world-class Michelin star chef who has grown burnout of concocting. Elegant intellectual meals for wealthy and snobby customers who don't even care about what. They eat, so the chef decides he will kill his customers for what he sees as disrespecting his craft. But before he can, when customer demands her food be sent back, actually my motivational quote comes in the form of a monologue. The customer says, "You have taken the joy out of eating. Every dish you have served is some intellectual exercise instead of something I want to sit and enjoy.、Mm. Your food tastes like it was made with no love." The chef insists he cooks with love. To which the customer's response: "You are kidding yourself. You cook with obsession, not love."、Mm. Even your hot dishes are cold. You are a chef. Your sole purpose is to serve food people actually like, and I'm still hungry. The customer then demands a simple traditional cheeseburger. True to the movie, although all the dishes the chef cooks that night are beautiful and elegant, the cheeseburger is the first dish that actually looks appetizing.、Mm. The girl then asks to take the burger to go, and the chef then lets the girl go free. I love this movie, and I love the girl's monologue because although she was rating against fine dining and gourmet chefs, she was in fact rating against perfectionism and advocating that service sector workers focus on putting a smile on the face of a customer. Simple as that. I also like her point about cooking with love, which can be related to any industry, from the culinary, hospitality world, or even to a radio station.、Yes. If you perform <laughs> with warmth. And a genuine smile on your face, the audience or customer will reciprocate. On the contrary, if every day you are talking about topics or doing things that you have no passion for, together with that forced artificial positivity, your audience will ditch you eventually. This can also hurt your creativity. And so, in fact, when a chef makes a simple cheeseburger, it brings joy to both the customer and the chef. Yeah, so beautifully, beautifully put. And everybody out there, if you know that we're producing a show of cheeseburgers, that y- you can tell from the sizzle, so and the melting cheese, and and The delicious beef patty, proverbially speaking, and and I think that comes true from the heart, straight up from the mind, and I think that is what can produce great work and productivity. All right. On the way out, we're gonna play you a song out of so many Rihanna's hit song anthems. I've selected a less well-known one called "Hard" from her R-rated. 
Oh, Rated R album. It's a hip hop song featuring military horns, sharp beats, and piano chords. The lyrics feature how you are tougher than a lion and live where the sky ends. Be brilliant, resilient, and as Riri says, don't let up. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank yeah, you, Huang、yeah, yeah. yeah, Shen and Li Yi, for joining the discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm He Yang. You guys have a beautiful day. We'll see you next time. <laughs>